0: Is 2017 as a whole so far, I know we're only eight days in, but has it gone according to plan for you? Somewhat, yeah. Some of you, yes. Yeah. Some of you are dead silent because the answer is no already in eight days. All of your plans, all of your expectations, your resolutions out the window. It's been a tough week for you, so we're super glad you're here. I went to the gym the other day. I'm that guy. It's the new year, so I got to go to the gym. And uh, I went to the gym, and the best thing that has ever happened at the gym Happened to me. It was incredible. I'm telling you, it was my favorite moment at a gym ever in the history of all of my moments, you know, the couple dozen of them that there have been. Uh, the, my, it, it was the best thing that ever happened in all my time at the gym. I'm going to put a picture up here on the screen for you. I got on a treadmill. No lie. I walked up on a treadmill and I noticed in the cup holder. Now, the cup holder is not supposed to be for a root beer. You know what I'm saying? The cup holder is supposed to be for water, maybe some power aid, get some electrolytes into your system. But I walked up onto this treadmill and I found a mountain. I mean, like six or eight Reese's peanut butter cup wrappers that were there. And I gotta tell you, I started laughing so hard that tears were coming out of my eyes. I had to stop the treadmill. You know, I walked up and I punched the quick start, and here I go walking along. And I had to stop it. I'm like convulsing, tears are coming out of my eyes. And this lady, about three treadmills down, starts looking at me like, What is wrong with this guy? He gets on the treadmill for three seconds and starts crying. How out of shape is he? She didn't know. That I was dying laughing at whoever it was that had gotten on the treadmill to lose some weight, to burn some calories, and had just nom 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 nom, nom stuffed their face with candy. Now that's a workout plan I can get behind, okay? Like, if that's what happened to the gym, I would go to the gym all the time. That was really something. I just, I died laughing. I don't know who that was. I don't know, um, you know, why they were eating that. Maybe they were, I don't know, maybe their blood sugar was low and they had to eat something. I don't know. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But in my mind, my guess is This is somebody who made the most common of all New Year's resolutions, right? We talked about this last week. Um, The number one New Year's resolution, uh, resolution that's made in North America is to lose weight or to be healthier. And so this was somebody in my mind who wanted to do the right thing. They made that common resolution. They had all the good intentions in the world, but when it got down to it, It didn't go exactly according to plan. So here's the thing, I'm doing my little run on the treadmill and and about 30 minutes later, I'm faced with this decision. What am I going to do here as I get off this treadmill? Because if I pull the candy wrappers out of the cup holder and I go throw them away, I'm being a good guy, but every other person in the gym is going to be like, What's the matter with him? He gets on the treadmill and he eats all this candy. So it's like I would get all the scorn, but none of the benefit, right? I didn't get to eat any of that candy. And so I was like, Well, maybe I should just leave it there. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it. I know that's not the pastoral thing to do, it's not the good citizen thing to do. I should have picked it up and put it in the trash so no lie I promise you this is not an exaggeration I'm not making this up I get off of the treadmill and no sooner do I step off than this girl comes up right behind me and gets on the exact same treadmill there were eight of them open and she chose the one that I was just on and so I'm walking away real nonchalantly and I glance back and she's looking at me like did this guy just eat all of this candy that's on here and I wanted to go back and say I promise it was there when I got there. She wouldn't have believed me anyway. So I just let it go. I pretended like I didn't even notice anything was going on. Um, for this person... Resolutions weren't exactly going according to plan. They were not going particularly well. We started talking about New Year's resolutions last week. We started this series called The New Rules of Resolution. And what we said last week was the fact that people uh, make New Year's resolutions, whether you made one or not, the fact that people in our society make these resolutions highlights a very important fact. And that is that none of us are the people that we want to be just yet, are we? We've all got some growing to do. There's a gap between who we are and who we want to be. And so we set resolutions. We say, okay, I want to lose weight. I want to get healthier. I want to become more organized. I want to spend time with my family. I want to take up a new hobby or learn a new thing because I'm not yet the person that I want to be. And so last week we said, if you want to change, especially spiritually speaking, if you want to grow in your relationship with. With God, then you have to understand that change or progress is a process, not a project. You remember we said that last week. It's so key and critical that you understand that. As you move into 2017 and you start to think about changes in your life, becoming the person that you want to be, you have to understand that progress is a process, not a project. It is something that's going to be going on your entire life. It takes 60, 70, 80 years for God to mold you into the person that he wants you to be. And so we said last week, the best thing you can do is stay committed and connected to the process that God is doing in your life. His shaping and his molding, the the pruning, the, the maturing that he's doing in your heart and soul. The best thing that you can do is stay committed and stay connected to that process. Because if you see it to the end, you can see the progress in your life that you've always wanted. This morning, we're gonna highlight another fact about change, another uh, truth that hopefully will help you to make some decisions and make some choices and make some changes in your life that will move you along the path of who God wants you to be. And we need to talk about it this morning because it's a big one, it's super, super important. So it's found in uh, the book of Colossians, chapter number two, verses six through eight. We've got the verses here on the screen for you. This is what the scripture says, Colossians chapter number two, verse six through eight. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Now pay special attention to verse number eight. Verse eight says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Now, there's a lot going on in those three verses, but verse number eight is especially interesting if you want to change. If you've made resolutions or if you know there are parts of you that are not yet where you'd like them to be, verse number eight is incredibly key for you to understand. It says... That there is a philosophy, there is a school of thought, there is a way of doing things. There is an assumption about the order of the world that we live in, that most of us operate by. Verse 8 says that this particular mode of doing life, this worldview, this philosophy, it is traditional, it's basic, it's even obvious In fact, I don't think it's too much of a stretch for me to say that nearly every single one of us that are here this morning are operating our lives according to this principle that verse number eight warns us can get us into trouble. Once I reveal this principle to you, you're going to say, oh yeah, of course, I've seen that, I've heard that my whole life. Sometimes it's subtle and it's kind of subconscious and sometimes it's overt and you've heard people say these things parents, teachers, coaches, you've heard them say this particular principle, this philosophy, this worldview, and you've based your whole life on it. You just didn't know that it wasn't enough to turn you into the person that you wanted to be. And again, we need to discuss it because this mindset is on full display in our resolutions. When we make a resolution, when we set a goal, if we're not careful, we can pursue that goal. We can try to become somebody according to this path. And if we're not careful, it really can get us in trouble. So you ready for it? Do you know what it is? You want to hear it? I'll put it up on the screen for you. It's the assumption that I only receive what I achieve. We operate in our world According to a principle or an idea, a worldview that says, I will only achieve the things, or I will only receive rather, the things that I achieve for myself. And that makes sense, right? Of course, that's the way the world works. We achieve and so then we receive. You accomplish and then you see the benefit. I receive the gold medal because I achieved the fastest time. It makes total sense. I get paid because I worked. That is, I receive because of what I achieve. I complete my degree requirements. And so I get my degree at the end of my college years. Or um, we say I uh, live a moral life. I do good things so that I can receive God's favor in my life. I go to the gym at 6 a.m. so that I can get swole. Now, obviously, I don't go to the gym at 6 a.m. every morning so I can get swole. But some of you guys do, right? We achieve and then we receive. It makes sense. That's the way our world works. In fact, we could take any example under the sun. And in that example, you would not receive until you had achieved. You had to put in the hard work. You had to do the due diligence before you could get the reward, before you could get the blessing, before you could receive whatever was on the far side of that. The life, it, it can't even be any other way, can it? Like that's the way things have to go. I would, I would encourage you just for giggles to try and live life the other way. Try to receive before you achieve and see how far that gets you in life. If you're a student, this next week when you go back to classes, I want you to walk into your registrar's office and I want you to say, hey, look, I know it's only my second semester here, but it would be great if you'd go ahead and give me my degree now. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and I'm going to hang it on the wall and I'm going to look at it every day. You know, it's going to motivate me to finish my degree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all the way through these classes. I'm going to do great because I know that I have to in order to earn that. They're going to laugh you out of the office because that's not the way school works. You don't get to receive before you achieve. You have to work. You have to do your part. You achieve, then you're able to receive. If you're employed, I want you to go to your boss and say, hey, boss. Uh, I'd love it if I could get my Christmas bonus this week. Would that be cool? Like the 2017 Christmas bonus. If you could just go ahead and cut me the check now, I promise I'm going to work really hard this year. I'm going to earn that bonus that you're giving me today. In fact, I've got like 11 months to work really hard to earn it. Of course, your boss isn't going to give you that bonus now. It's not, you're not ready for it. You haven't earned it. We don't know what the yearly sales are going to be like. We don't know what the customer surveys are going to say. And so they would, laugh you out of their office because that's not the way the world works, is it? We don't receive and then achieve. No, 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 no. You have to achieve so that you can receive. Whether you've ever thought about it in these terms or not, every day of your life, you're living according to this principle where you believe that you can only receive the things that you have achieved. But according to verse 8 that we read just a moment ago, that philosophy, that assumption, that way of approaching your spiritual life is hollow and it's deceptive. That is, of course, that's the way your life works when it comes to school. Obviously, you've got to work hard and earn your degree. Of course, that's how it works in your relational life. You you don't just get a girlfriend because you want a girlfriend. You got to go out and earn one, son. You got to put in time, okay? You receive only what you achieve. Of course, in every area of your life except one. And in this one area, if you're not careful, you can end up hollow and deceived. According to verse number eight, because if you look in verse number six there of that passage, Colossians chapter number two, verse six, it says, just as you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord, just as you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord, notice it doesn't say, hey, just as you worked really hard and you earned Christ Jesus as your Lord, doesn't say that. Notice it doesn't say just as you did all the right stuff, you checked all the right spiritual boxes, you kept every 10 commandment, and so God has blessed you and shown you his love. It doesn't say that. It says just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord. Let me show you an even clearer verse. Maybe one that'll, I hope it just blows your mind wide open when it comes to understanding what it takes to grow in your relationship with God. It's Ephesians chapter number two. This is a very famous passage. You've probably heard this before. If you haven't, I hope you'll pay very close attention to it. The scripture says here in Ephesians chapter number two, verses eight and nine, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, by grace. And this is not From yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not accomplished or achieved. It's not even received by works so that no one can boast. You see, when you read the scriptures, what you find out is that God has created a world in which we achieve and then receive, we work hard and then we get the benefit. In every area of life but this one. Because when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to a relationship with God, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to renewal in our lives, if we operate by the assumption, I achieve so that I receive, then we will end up just like verse number eight says, hollow and deceived. We'll end up unfulfilled. We'll end up not with a life-giving faith, but something else altogether. When it comes to a relationship with God, it's not about achieving. It's about receiving. This is the one area where you can receive even before or if you never achieve. Look, you go to the gym and you walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes every single day and the entire time you eat Reese's peanut butter cups, you are never going to achieve your weight loss goals. It just won't happen. You cannot receive unless you achieve. And yet when you read the scriptures over and over and over again, you find where God says, I want you to receive even if you can't achieve. In fact, none of us, none of us can. None of you will ever achieve what God desires for you on your own. We talked a little bit about that last week. And so God allows us to receive his love. He allows us to receive his grace and his mercy without requiring us to achieve his love and his mercy in the first place. You might be able to achieve a six-pack. You might be able to achieve a more organized life, but you will never be able to achieve God's love. You'll never be able to earn what God has for you. You'll never be able to do enough to justify being paid back by God for your good deeds. We get ourselves into trouble, spiritually speaking, when we live as though we have to achieve instead of receive from God. Look at what Romans chapter number six says. Such a great verse. Romans chapter number six, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Notice what that verse says. The wages, the earnings, the accomplishments of our lives end in death. But the gift, the receiving that we take from God Brings life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hey, can I encourage you this this morning not to make spirituality just another project in your life this year? Don't do that. We talked last week about the difference between a process and a project. And I told you that a process is open-ended, a project is like closed, it's for a season. You work hard, you accomplish, you do whatever it is that you're supposed to, and then you move on to something else. And there are too many people, maybe even you this morning, and you treat your relationship with God like it's a project. You're trying to achieve, you're trying to accomplish, you're trying to earn God's love by what you do. And so you say, God, I need you to bless me. I need you to give to me because I got up and went to church this morning. Do you have any idea how, road, how icy the roads are, God? I mean, seriously, I owe some credit for that, right? I did the right thing. So surely you can send some good stuff my way. God, I gave money. They passed the bucket. I put in a toonie. That's got to count for something. Help me out, God. I need you in my life. And that's an achievement mindset where we're putting in work so that we can be repaid. And every single scripture you will read says a relationship with God does not work that way. That rather than achieving and then receiving, God is so good, he's so loving, he's so gracious to you that you can receive despite the fact that you will never achieve. You can receive despite the fact that you will never, ever achieve. If you live your life, your relationship with God that way, then you will end up with a hollow and a deceptive faith. Maybe I should put it like this. If you have a spirituality that's based on your accomplishments, you will end up with a faith that leaves you feeling dead, not alive. If you have a spirituality that is based on what you do, every time you will end up feeling worse, not better. Because you are trying to subvert the principle that God has put into place. You have tried to earn his love, earn his grace, earn his favor. And God says, I don't work according to that metric, that scale, that philosophy, that worldview. I want you to receive. I don't care if you achieve. In fact, I know you're not going to, and I want to fill you with my love and spirit anyway. If you have a spirituality that is based on your accomplishments, you will end up feeling worse, not better, every single time. Now, I want to be delicate here. I want to be kind and gracious, but I also want to highlight something that's very important. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion under the sun. You hear people saying all the time, hey, look, all religions are basically the same thing, right? They say, do good and God will bless you. Good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell, or they get reincarnated or whatever the system is. If you talk to a Buddhist, they're going to tell you about the Noble Eightfold Path. And they're going to say, these are the eight things that you need to do in your life in order to be free of desire and want and to achieve nirvana. If you talk to a Jewish person, they're going to say to you, hey, you need to follow the Ten Commandments. Keep these ten rules. And if you do, then God will shower you with his love and his favor. If you talk to a Muslim, they're going to say there are these five pillars of Islam and you need to kind of keep them at some point throughout your life. You need to do all five of these things. If you talk to a Hindu, they're going to say, listen, there's karma and so you need to do good so that you can be reincarnated at a higher state. And every one of those philosophies says, if you achieve, then you'll receive. And I'm telling you guys, Christianity is different. It is set apart. It is the only religion in the world that says something so ridiculous that God loves you even though you're imperfect. That even if you never become the person that you want to be, you are still loved and accepted by God. God isn't waiting for you to go to church two, three, four times a week. He's not waiting for you to put a certain amount of money into the offering. He's not waiting for you to be nice to everybody so that you can demonstrate that you're worthy of his love. If he were waiting for that, it would never happen for me and it would never happen for you. So instead, God says, I'm gonna let you receive even though you never achieve. Whoa, you guys. Now, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what we celebrate as a church. We don't celebrate a room full of good people because we're not. We don't celebrate the good that we do. You're gonna hear me telling you stories more often about the times I screw up and fall short than the times that I get it right because I have a bigger pool of those stories to draw from. We are a group of people who freely confess that we are broken and we are sinners and we fall short and yet God still lets us receive anyway. It is not about what you and I achieve. It's about God's grace in allowing us to receive. Now look, if you start to build your faith on what you do, okay? If you try to achieve and then receive as a result of that, one of two things are going to happen. And I promise you, you have met Christians and people who follow other religions. You have met people like this. Either on the one hand, you're going to look around at your life and you're going to say, hey, I do pretty good. And you're gonna become proud and arrogant because of all that you've accomplished. And somebody says, why are you a Christian? How do you know that God loves you? And you're gonna say, because I go to church, because I give, because I'm a nice person. You're gonna list all of these different things. And you're gonna end up trusting in your own righteousness. You're gonna end up trusting in what you achieve and God tells you up front, that's not going to be good enough. You're not gonna be a very fun person to be around. You're gonna look down your nose at everybody else. You're like, I got it right. My life is in order, why can't yours be? This is why God doesn't love those sorts of people because of the decisions that they make, right? You will either do that or number two, you will become terrified of God because you won't ever know if you've done enough. You won't ever know if you've accomplished or achieved yet. You won't know if you're on God's nice list or God's naughty list, And so you're constantly going to be stressed and worried. Is God happy with me or does he hate me? Have I done enough or have I done too much bad in my life? And that also will leave you feeling dead, not alive. That's a hollow faith. It's a deceptive faith. It's a faith that I'm begging you not to give your heart to. Instead, give your heart to God's grace where he says you can receive even though you never achieve. Now look, I understand that some of you might take away from this message that I am anti-achievement, right? Like you've heard me say, you can't achieve, you have to receive even if you never achieve. So you might say, Dan probably, he's just not really that interested in accomplishing anything in his life. And I'm telling you, nothing could be further from the truth okay? I I like to accomplish things. I'm a task-oriented person. Nothing makes me happier than when I get to check it off my to-do list. I'm the first person in my family in at least four generations to go to college. And I was stupid enough to double major. I got through it, but just barely D's get diplomas. And so anyway, like, I have done my best in life to accomplish and to achieve. I like to win. The other night, Amber and Joshua and I were sitting around in my living room. We were playing Catan. And, uh, These two jokers decided to gang up on me, man. I built my strategy around this one square on the board, which was stupid, right? But this one square, and I needed the number 10 to come up on the dice. And as long as the number 10 came up on the dice, I was gonna destroy these two. And then they made a move that blocked every single number 10. There were five tens that came up over the course of a few rounds. And I didn't get any of my money or resources because of it. And I ended up losing. Now, full confession, I ended up with a bad attitude about it. I'm sitting there on the couch, you know, my arms are folded. And I'm like, you stupid, I can't stand you guys. I'm cursing at him under my breath. It was under my breath. So it's not a sin. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm just mad at him, you know, it's not fun. Joshua was like, "Ooh, I've never seen this side of Dan before, you know, we get done. Um, did you end up winning that game? Yeah, Amber won. She probably wanted me to say that. And at the end of the game, immediately, immediately, she says, all right, I got 10 points. I won. I said, let's run it back. Let's go again. I want to do this again because I can't end on a loss. All right. I like to achieve. There is nothing wrong with achieving in every area of your life except your spiritual life. You might walk out of here and think to yourself, Hey, God is anti-achievement, you know? Like, I don't understand. I guess I've always tried to be a successful person. I've tried to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I've tried to work hard when others were willing to give up. And I've accomplished a lot in my life. So are you telling me that God doesn't want me to achieve? And I don't want you to hear that. Because although a relationship with God does not depend on us achieving anything, it does depend on achievement. Although a relationship with God is totally free to you and to me, it was not free to God. You see, when you read the scriptures, what you find out is that there is some achievement that has to be done in order for us to have a relationship with God. There is some accomplishment that needs to take place so that we can know that we are accepted and we are loved. The key is the accomplishing. The achieving is not done by you and me. It is done by Jesus Christ himself. See, I can't achieve forgiveness. Cannot do it. And yet Jesus hung on a cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And in that moment, I received forgiveness that Jesus achieved. I could never know if I had done enough. If my good deeds had outweighed my bad, I don't know what the scale is. I don't know what the ratio is between good deeds and bad deeds. So I could never know. I had no idea what I needed to do. And so I'm constantly striving and I'm constantly working and I'm constantly wondering, am I right with God? Is everything okay? And then Jesus hangs on a cross and he bows his head and he says, It is finished, it's done. So my relationship with God is not based on what I do. It's based on what he did. My relationship with God, your relationship with God, it is not based on anything that you achieve. It's based on what Jesus achieved for you. I'm telling you guys, it is different from every other philosophy. It's different from every other world system. If the Bible taught that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell, I would not be a Christian. Wouldn't do it. It's not worth it. It's a hollow and deceptive way to live your life. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says forgiven people go to heaven. The Bible says that every person is loved and accepted through Jesus Christ. And it's not about what we achieve. It's about what we receive. And it's about what we receive based on what he achieved. Not what I'm able to achieve. This is why we're baptized. We're gonna have baptism next week. I'm so excited about that. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Baptism is one of the best decisions you'll ever make in your entire life. And this is why we're baptized. We don't baptize or we don't get baptized as a good deed, right? How do you know God loves you? Well, I was baptized. No, 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 no. We don't get baptized in order to achieve anything. We get baptized because we have already received everything. That's why we choose to follow Jesus in baptism. It's an identification of our life with his. Let me show you what I mean. Amber, I'm going to ask you to come up here. She didn't know I was going to use her as a test dummy. Not a crash test dummy, but a test dummy here. When somebody's baptized, they stand in the water and they say, look, as sure as I'm standing before you today, I believe with all my heart that Jesus stood here on earth and that he lived the life that scripture says. I don't have all the answers. Certainly my life doesn't always look like his, but I believe he was the son of God made flesh and he changed the course of the world. He's changed the course of my life too. As a pastor, when we take that person When we take that person and we put you down, I should give her a kiss. When we bend you down like this, we're not waiting for the bubbles to stop you guys. We're burying you under the water so that you are saying without ever uttering a word, my life is buried with Jesus. Not my life is going to be buried with him. Not, this is one more thing I'm doing to prove that I'm worthy of following him. No, 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 no. I'm not achieving I've already received through Jesus. And so my life is buried just like Christ was buried. And when we pull you up out of the water and we do every single time, I promise. When we pull you up out of the water, what you're saying is I have faith that my life is new and different. Not that it will be new and different. Not that I can work hard so that it can be new and different. It's saying, I believe my life already is new and different because I have received what Jesus achieved. Baptism is not a work. It is a response. It is us saying, all right, Jesus, I'm starting to believe that I could never do this on my own. So I am going to trust what you did on my behalf. We want to encourage you to give your heart to that sort of spirituality. Because when you have that sort of spirituality in your heart, it changes the way you relate to everyone and everything. You see, if I know that God doesn't require me to accomplish or achieve, then I stop requiring everyone around me to accomplish and achieve before I'll give them my love. Hey, you start operating by the grace principle in the relationships in your life and things will change like that. They will be 180 degrees different from everything you've experienced because no longer are you waiting for everybody to measure up to some standard. They're not going to hit anyway, but instead you say, I'm going to love you the way God loved me freely and regardless of whether you achieve what I want from you.